Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad. In Edmonton, Brendan Escott, Cody Jansen with you. It's our number two of Oilers now brought to you by Digitex. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. Still to come, you'll hear from our uh, NHL insider John Shannon after the 130 news, as well as uh, Todd Molesky out of the Wisconsin State Journal. Get some more info, some backgrounder on uh, Dylan Holloway, who will likely be performing for our next guest down in Bakersfield when the puck drops a little later on this fall as we connect with Ryan Holt the voice the play-by-play voice of the Bakersfield Condors Ryan you're on with Brendan how's it going I'm great Brendan how are you and uh, I'll take the the Jay Woodcroft line Uh, I don't uh, assign players until I see the lights of their eyes here in Bakersfield but uh, yeah certainly exciting times and uh, happy to Happy to join you. So that leads me to believe you think that he may have that chance at breaking the big squad out of camp. Fair to assume? <laughs> you know, throw his name in the hat, right? Uh, I think, you know, I think that's uh, the best part about uh, training camp is, you know, you have 50 guys or 55 guys who, you know, are going to battle it out. And, you know, and uh, I don't think there's any secrets, you know, and I think that's the cool part about uh, a training camp is you have that opportunity and, and you kind of never know what what an opportunity is going to present itself. And, um, you know, if Dylan ends up in Bakersfield, uh, I know we'd love to have him. Uh, he's a, a tremendous uh, person from my time just, uh, you know, the last couple of months getting to know him uh, just briefly here in, in Bakersfield during our playoff run. But um, certainly a, a very skilled player with a, a bright upside and a, a heck of a future ahead of him. So uh, wherever he ends up, uh, he's going to do great things. And, and we're looking forward to, if he does come here to Bakersfield, that'd be uh, that'd be great for, for the Condors, certainly. And he would be the latest in what's becoming a longer and longer line of sort of recent draft picks that have taken that step into the Oilers system. And, and obviously part of the bigger picture last year, winning the Pacific Division in what was obviously, I'm sure, the most bizarre season you've ever called. Uh, when did you start to see this team really shape into sort of championship form? What are the elements of the Condors last season, whether it be, you know, the mix of the youth and the veterans that they had there, or in your eyes, what made that a championship roster? Yeah, I think first and foremost, it was such a truncated uh, training camp and truncated starts of the season for, for a lot of us. It was, you know, getting back to work and getting back into the swing of things on, on one, the business side of things, but two, even the hockey operations side of things. And, it was kind of ramping up. You kind of went from zero to a hundred, you know, in the span of a week and you had to get ready to roll. And um, I think last year was a, a culmination of a lot of things. And, and even when looking at the roster, say last summer, thinking that we were going to start in October, it, we kind of kind of had an idea that we'd be a pretty good hockey team. I think it was a good mix of, of veterans. You had some young players coming into the system and, that was even when thinking with Samarukov and Maximov, you know, in a normal year, you know, likely would have been over here as well too. So you threw them into the mix and then you hear names like Lavoie and, and all these guys that are coming in from the youth side of things. You add that to Griffith, you add that to Cracknell and Malone and Esposito and Gambardella. And now you have the makings of, of what should be a good team. And uh, I think 
first and foremost, I, I think the, ex, the the excellent play of Stuart Skinner was, you know, the biggest factor, I think, in the team's success and the play in front of him. But I think a lot of players took steps forward. And at the end of the day, uh, it was a fun team to be around. And the good news is, is at least the, the good chunk of the organization is still intact in terms of, you know, being in, you know, the Oilers organization, whether it's at Edmonton or Bakersfield. And, you know, I think that uh, continuity is going to be key here in, in what hopes to be a, a normal season, certainly. <laughs> Well, Skinner, let's key in on him for a second because he started the season last year in the backup role to Miko Koskinen for the first 10 NHL games. And while it was a lot of just sit and wait and see, he did get some action. He ended up with his first NHL win. I'm wondering how much you saw his game sort of change. And maybe not even what you saw on the ice, Ryan, but just him as a person and whether seeing what it was like at the NHL level in terms of prep, in terms of game day routine, did that change for Skinner? And do you think that factored into last year? Yeah, he talked a lot about that and being able to watch Smith and watch Koskinen on a, on a daily basis and how they go about things. And, um, you know, I think Stu said to me one time, I, I think he said, you know, Mike's doing this at, you know, 39, 40 years old and, and he's doing this and he's coming to work every day. Why, why can't I do this every day? You know, why, you know, I can't take any shortcuts if he's not taking any shortcuts and he has every right to take shortcuts, you know, with his NHL experience and his resume, certainly. Um, it, it, he's a, a confident kid by nature you know Stewie is uh, as a person he's great to be around I think he has an infectious kind of personality it's a quiet confidence about him and I think last year on the ice the consistency was you know first and foremost he uh, was consistent in everything he did you relied on on Stu to make a save when you needed to but at the end of the day you knew what you were getting each and every night and I think that the the biggest hallmark of a good goaltender is you know what you're getting when you you know step in the paint and and uh, you know put 60 minutes on the clock. So um, I think he had a tremendous year. He's got a bright future. Was happy to see him obviously come back in the organization. You know fight for a spot. You know get an opportunity. And uh, I think that second year I think too you know kind of proves that you know the Oilers think highly of him. They think highly of the goaltending of the future. And um, Stu is a big part of that. He's willed his way into that, hasn't he? Because when he came into the program, it was sort of alongside Dylan Wells and those two, they shared time down in Wichita and then they would sort of flip back and forth, you know, in the AHL as well. And then in the more recent years, the team drafting Ilya Konovalov out of Russia, Olivier Rodrigue was a second round pick, you know. So it looks like there's plenty of, of options in the pantry as far as Oilers goaltending of the future goes now and one of these guys is going to have to step up and and sort of stake their claim to it Skinner had the first crack and it's been interesting watching him come out of the championship run that he had with uh, Swift Current I guess in the Western Hockey League and develop into an actual you know formidable pro goaltender and I think that this internal competition now with some of the other names like Konovalov like Rodrigue will help uh, propel him into even better status that's how I would look at it and I guess you would get a different perspective seeing it on a day-to-day no i think you're bang on i think the competition is you know i think first and foremost is is what you're looking for out of a out of a goaltending unit and you know they're obviously friendly by nature and um you know him and and ollie are are good friends off the ice but you know make no mistake about it both of them want to be the number one or you know get the night on a friday night or you know a big game and stuff like that so i think that competition kind of breeds uh, you know, good play, knowing that you can't take any dips in your game. And I think it's also good for the organization as a whole to know that if there are dips, 
you know, there's opportunities for others to kind of fill that void. And, you know, the AHL season's a, it's a long season. It's a grind and there's a lot of back to back. So, you need two good goaltenders at the American Hockey League level. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about it. And you need two competent, you know, goaltenders that can go in and get you a, a win every night. So, because, you know, just based off the schedule with back-to-backs and, you know, sometimes three and fours and travel, it's it's going to happen. So, um, I thought Ollie did a tremendous job last year kind of in his, you know, 1A type of role. You know, being able to get 15 games in, in the AHL last year was, was awesome. And, um, you know, Stu obviously took the bulk of the, the workload, and uh, we'll see what happens this year. Chatting with the voice of the Bakersfield Condors, Ryan Holt, and the line of McLeod, Benson, and Marodi, that really took headlines last year for all of the right reasons. Steps forward for all of the players. McLeod, so far forward, he found himself in the NHL to end the season, of course. Benson trying to make that happen for himself in this training camp, if not early season. He's one of those guys that I think the organization wants to take, you know, the appropriate steps forward to obviously launch his own game into that of a consistent NHL or what do you think is is sort of the gap between where he's at now and what it would take for him to be a full-time NHL or even in a bottom six role yeah the line I use with 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 Tyler is he's done everything that's been asked of him uh, at the American Hockey League level you know you can look at points and you can look at assists and um, you know look at numbers that way Uh, but he's a a good five-on-five player and I think this year I think the coaching staff in particular um, you know sat down with him prior to this season and found ways to improve other aspects of his game that's going to relate at the next level in the NHL and what I mean is saw a significant penalty kill time this year and the PK ended up being the top PK in the American Hockey League and he was a big part of that and that was something that he hadn't done in the past and he hasn't been a huge power play point guy either so a lot of those numbers you know I think it's 85 percent or almost 90 percent of his points came five on five last year and he killed penalties and that's a tool that he can use moving forward you know, and and trying to establish himself as a full-time NHLer because you're not just going to jump on a power play. You're not going to jump on a line with McDavid. You're going to jump on a third or fourth line. You're going to be asked to kill penalties. And if you can successfully do that, if you can provide value in uh, in killing penalties at the next level, um, then I think it's a great thing. You know, and, uh, you know, he's done everything that's been asked of him here in Bakersfield. I think the world of him, he was an alternate captain this past year. And, um, you know, looking forward to seeing what he does in camp and is certainly a player that the organization has invested a lot of time in as well. So, you know, they want to see him succeed for that, among many reasons. Cooper Marodi, uh, he took a, a, it was a rebounding year for him last year, obviously acquired a few years ago out of Philadelphia's program and and uh, concussion issues we thought may have derailed him altogether, but last year really came back and, and pieced it all together. But he's another one, you know, I wonder whether he's maybe projects as more of that 13th forward kind of a tweener, um, where where is he at heading into this season in terms of where he falls on, I guess, the organizational depth chart in your mind? Yeah, just first off, last year, um, you know, it was great to see him healthy, I think was uh, the biggest thing for him. Now, he used his health and he used his, you know, ability to stay healthy and play a full season to his advantage. And, you know, he linked up with, with Benson and, and McLeod, but, I think he added another weapon to his game. Um, He became more of a shooter last year. He's always been a dynamic playmaker uh, type of forward, but he was more of a finisher last year. He moved to a wing, so he kind of added that element or at least enhanced that element of his game. 
and again, you know, much like Tyler and, and Benson and Marodi, you know, for the three years or parts of three years that they've been here full time in the American Hockey League have been two of, if not the two most dynamic players in this league, um, you know, regardless of division. He's done everything that's been asked of him here at the American Hockey League level. Now, how does that translate to the NHL? I mean, we've been around enough to know that, you know, sometimes you get squeezed out or sometimes it's with another organization. Um, but I think it, you know, when you, when you look at Cooper's progression from a, you know, six-round pick and, and coming out of a different organization to acquire him, and I think it's another good drafting development. I mean, how many NHL games do six-round picks play? on a normal you know, season. And you can kind of look at the analytics on that, but um, he's been a, a tremendous player for us. He's a quality human being. Um, he's got a lot of uh, great things going for him, and uh, we'll see where he ends up. Um, you know, if it's, in, if it's in Edmonton fighting for a spot back here in Bakersfield, you know, wherever he ends up, uh, he, he's got a bright future. How about Raphael Lavoie? He was a second-round pick of the Oilers in 2019. Some would say he fell to the second round, 38th overall. He had uh, four points in six playoff games in that run last year, but is a player that I think offensively a lot of fans would like to see work out for this organization in the long term. What do you notice? What can you tell me about his game? Yeah, he played with uh, Seth Griffith and Adam Cracknell, uh, two veterans and two longtime veterans here in the American Hockey League uh, for an extended period of time, uh, kind of on that left side. Uh, with, with Griffith and, and Cracknell between. And I, I think it's great that he has two players like Cracknell and Griffith, Cracknell in particular, because I think they're similar types of players. And I'm not saying, um, you know, Lavoie is Cracknell or Cracknell is Lavoie. What I, what I mean by that is they're two big bodies. Um, they can shoot the puck. They can score. But I think Cracknell is going to be a great influence on Lavoie, on those type of players to round out your full 200-foot game. Um, Cracknell doesn't take a shift off. He knows what is expected of him. He knows how to grind out shifts and grind out opportunities, both you know, in the defensive and offensive zone. And if Raph puts that together, if Raph can put that defensive awareness and responsibility into his game, uh, he's as gifted a shooter as I've seen here at this level. And you know, I'm not saying I've seen everybody at the American Hockey League level, but I've seen a good chunk here over the last six years. Um, he's a, a talented offensive player. Um, he raises that compete. He raises that defensive awareness, which playing with Crackle and Griffith, you're going to have to if you're going to play with them. Um, I think he has, like I said, you know, I, I feel like I use it a lot, but he has a bright future. Um, and he's an exciting player, and I'm excited to see what he does this season. It's funny that you bring up Adam Cracknell in that in that role that he was brought in essentially specifically to fill and then absolutely smashed it out of the park of the stat sheet. So great to hear that <laughs> it, was, uh, it was as much a success in the dressing room by the sounds of that as well. Now, on the back end of this team, as we continue chatting with uh, Ryan Holt here from the Bakersfield Condors, the play-by-play voice of the team, the back end looks like they, they're tending to go a little bit bigger. I look at Kessel Ring. He's a six-foot-five defenseman i look at philip camp he's a six foot three defenseman marcus nemalainen this is a player that's starting to emerge a bit he's six foot five you know is uh, you could see at the nhl level especially in the playoffs that the bigger body defenseman that at least in this year was sort of what was working and how do you think that the group performed as a whole last year in the ahl when you think about maybe that kind of dynamic down there yeah, 
you mentioned Nima Line, and I'll mention the ones that, that I saw personally. Nima Line, and I think, is a you know a diamond kind of in the rough. And I don't know how many NHL games he ends up playing, how long his career ends up being. But I think for for him to come in last year, and he, and he was injured at the end of last season, uh, kind of taken out in the last uh, 10, 15 games, if you will. But um, I think he's a guy who you know kind of came in without much expectations and kind of exceeded you know, even the grandest of expectations, I think, last year. So uh, if he can take another step this year, that's tremendous. You mentioned Kemp and Kesselring getting that experience at the end of last season. That's huge for them. Kemp scored a huge goal in the, you know, clinching game uh, in Vegas. And and just his confidence, uh, you know, going into the season, he has to feel good about himself. Same thing with Kesselring. Um, same type of, uh, you know, big body, lanky. Um, and then, you know, one guy who's not on an NHL contract, but who has a, who had a big role for us last year is Vinny DeHarnay. You know, another six foot six, uh, huge body back there. It's not easy getting past our defensive core. Now, that being said, uh, there's a lot of competition back there. Uh, you mentioned, you know, those names, and then you throw Sam Arukov in the mix, Brober, I mean, whatever. You know, when you look at it, um, there's a lot of defensemen, and you can only play six or seven on a given night. So looking forward to seeing how that all shakes out, but there's a lot of options back there. One thing it doesn't really have right now, I don't think, is a kind of a veteran. Last year we, we had Ryan Stanton and Kevin Gravel uh, to kind of, uh, you know, lead the way on the veteran side of things back there. I'm not sure what, what the, you know, plans are moving forward. I would assume that, you know, maybe there is a veteran kick back there or at least a guy with some experience in the American Hockey League from the last couple of seasons. Uh, but, yeah, uh, there's a lot of defensemen back there, and uh, we'll see how it all shakes out. But there's going to be a lot of uh, competition for uh, Dave Manson's ice time back there, certainly this season. And a good problem to have again, when just to yeah. me it just speaks to the depth <laughs> of drafting and, and that sort of thing and the scouting that's gone on over the last probably four or five years. Ryan, this was a blast, my friend. Uh, good luck as, as the summer winds up here and, and training camp begins, and we'll hope to have you on again, okay? Appreciate it, Brendan, anytime. And, uh, yeah, all the best to you guys, and take care. Thank you very much. That is Ryan Holt, Bakersfield Condors, play-by-play voice. He's their media manager as well. The man we liaise with. When we're- hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Trying to talk to players or Jay Woodcroft. Today, it was Holty's turn. Why not? It's our turn for a break. We'll come back after this. Bob back next week. Brendan Escott, Cody Jansen holding down the fort until then. There's an old saying in the car business, cars cost less in Wetaskiwin. Brent Ridge Ford in Wetaskiwin is committed to providing unequaled automotive excellence, resulting in completely satisfied lifetime customers. If you currently have a vehicle that you're not using enough, your payments or interest rate is a little too high and you're thinking of selling, refinancing, or maybe trading it in for something different, you can go visit Uncle Mill 
Walt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang at Brent Ridge Ford, or call them 1-877-477-3673 or visit brentridge.com. Sounds like a good time for the injury report. That's for our friends at James H. Brown Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. We've got something today. I actually got one for you. Washington Capitals D-man, more so prospect, but Slovan hockey defender Martin Fairvery will not appear in the Olympic qualifications for the, for the 2022 Olympic Games in Beijing due to a muscle injury. Those get underway tomorrow in Bratislava. Interesting, and that is the set of events, or the the event, the set of games, that has been recommended these players do not participate in prior to them getting the COVID coverage. That broke a little earlier this week, didn't it? Correct, and he's only played, I think, six games in the National League, but still, uh, again, you do run a little bit of a risk if you're an NHL player playing in those events, not just injury-wise now, there's COVID concerns. Mm -hmm. Certainly, and what we're seeing with the Edmonton Elks, we know that the, uh, the the possibility of a COVID outbreak on a team is still very real. You know, we're a year and a half into the pandemic, but it's still very real and is still, I think, part of the reason, the entire reason why we haven't heard an official set of COVID protocols from the NHL yet as to whether players will need to be vaccinated, et cetera, et cetera, because there is a lot to try and project or forecast down the road here. And, and you're just... I, you know, there's a lot of it that's projecting. I think there's probably a lot of it that's guessing and saying what happens if we get to that worst case scenario. Well, I'm sure they're also watching the CFL. You can't tell me they're not taking a look at what is happening right now and saying, what can we do better than the CFL to avoid that happening? Yeah, at the end of the day, you can't, you just can't see a situation where, I, I don't know, I, I, it's tough to make heads or tails. It's tough to make heads or tails out of this situation. And so for that reason, you almost just want to wait and see. But we are at the 25th of August and things had better start moving by the time early September comes around. So that leads me to believe that, again, this is sort of the week where things are going to happen. And we're at Wednesday. So, the hockey world being on pause, I guess, the way that it has been for probably the last 10 days or so, uh, we're going to come out of this deep freeze sooner than later, certainly. And when we do, even hearing what Holt's discussing there about having a veteran defenseman for the Condors back end, they don't know what that's going to look like yet. That's the kind of thing that'll unfold over camp. We're just in sort of that dead zone right now. But... We won't make it sound like that when we come back from a global news weather traffic update. We'll connect with our NHL insider, John Shannon. Uh, We'll get his thoughts on the uh, vaccination policy for fans and employees that the Oilers Entertainment Group uh, um, unveiled yesterday. Tuka Rask on Boston Radio saying that he'll sign there when healthy in the new year. Let's get him healthy first and then uh, address that when we get there. And St. Louis still trying to find a home for Vladimir Tarasenko that is not with them. Any suitors out there for that $7.5 million a year price tag? Let's ask John Shannon. Will we come back? Off now to Kevin Robertson for a global news weather traffic update. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.